0: Support for this podcast comes from Goodman. Since 1982, Goodman Manufacturing is focused on the goal of producing energy-efficient, high-quality HVAC equipment that is easy to sell, install, and maintain. Goodman's continuous efforts have contributed to the success of HVAC dealers like you across towns and big cities throughout the country. Goodman produces a complete line of refreshingly affordable ducted split systems and packaged units. The company's current product line is supported by numerous technology enhancements, many exclusive to the Goodman brand. It's no wonder millions of homeowners say, thank goodness for Goodman. To learn more, go to goodmanmfg.com. Welcome to the Successful
1: Contractor, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors, about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hello there, SGI family and other contractor friends. I'm so thankful you're here. As a reminder, all episodes of the Successful Contractor Show are available on YouTube as well as your podcast player of choice. Also, if you're a non-member interested in learning more about SGI and how we can help your business grow both on the top And bottom line, while becoming part of the contracting industry's largest network of contractors, we're having Profit Day seminars in my hometown, St. Louis, Missouri, Lansing, Michigan, Atlanta, Georgia, Little Rock, Arkansas, Nashville, Tennessee, and Salt Lake City, Utah. Give us a call at 866-299-8505 to attend SGI members in those markets. If you'd like to come and share with everyone your experiences with the group, give your coach a call. We'd greatly appreciate your help. Today's show is the first in a series of interviews I'll be bringing you intermittently over the next several months. These interviews will be featuring SGI Crown Champions. Crown Champions are salespeople and technicians who've achieved a tremendous amount of success in a fiscal year. Uh, To be a Crown Champion in HVAC and roofing, you must have sold more than $1.5 million. In electrical and plumbing, you must have sold and installed more than $500,000. The first Crown Champion I'm bringing to you is Peter Traywheeler, a feller Kangaroo in Round Rock, Texas, which is just outside of Austin. Peter sold just shy of $3.5 million in 2021, and he did that while also selling repairs, so it's just not all re-roofs. Uh, over the next 60 minutes or so, you'll learn Peter's background, how he found himself at Kangaroo, and he'll discuss his entire sales process. I think you'll see Peter's not your typical salesperson. He comes from the restaurant industry where we all know it takes a great deal of patience and work ethic to survive. Uh, It's that same patience and work ethic that's allowed him to flourish in residential roofing sales. Peter's philosophy is sell like you wanna be sold to. Uh, For Peter, that means putting no pressure on homeowners, but instead, Creating a strong relationship with them, and then strengthening it by giving homeowners comprehensive information in a way that they can understand it. Uh, it's been a winning formula for Peter. So, without further ado, here's Peter Trewiller, a feller king roof in Round Rock, Texas. I hope you enjoy it and take away a nugget or two. Peter, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, for those who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, could you please share with uh, the audience your name, your company name, and where you guys are located?
2: Hey Bob, yeah. Uh, my name is Peter Trierweiler. I work with uh, Kangaroo of Austin, uh, obviously in Austin, Texas. So
1: very good, very good. And we're talking today uh, for a very, very good reason. Um, you uh, last year were a crown champion, and, and really you blew that out of the water. You had a fantastic sales year. Uh, share with with everyone uh, what you ended up uh, closing out last year at in terms of sales.
2: Uh, I think the final number uh, end of the year was three three million four fifty six thousand. So, <laughs> just shy. Of three, yeah, just shy of three and a half.
1: Not bad at all. Do you remember what your what your average ticket was off the top of your head? I know it's a few months back now since the year closed. I know.
2: Yeah, I know the the largest one that I did was fifty thousand, um, wow. and I remember that because that was that was the largest sale I've ever had. Um, yeah. I have residential n- job. yeah. Well, that's the thing. We only do yeah. residential and we pretty right. much only do shingles. Um, yeah. So I've you know, never sold a commercial job in my life, unfortunately, okay. not yet at least, but yeah,
1: I'd say the average ticket was probably 20,000, 25,000. Wow. That's great. That's amazing. Do you know what your closing really? percentage is roughly most of the time? Uh, currently, I think I'm at
2: I think it averages about fifty-five, sixty. Um, you know, obviously
1: I have bad months and I have great months, sure, but um, sure. the average is probably around fifty-five or sixty. So that's cool. Very good. Now, uh, in terms of the leads you go on, are you only going on sales opportunities? You don't do any repair. You don't go on any potential repair, right? It's when you go out, you know, it's a, it's a sale. Yeah,
2: yeah. whenever I go out to a call, um, it's because they have an issue of some sort with their roofing system, Uh, whether it be we got hit with a big hail storm or they've got a leak going on. Um, I would say it's probably 50, maybe 40% of my calls are repair calls, and then
1: maybe 60% 60 are replacement, um, give or take, you know. Will you sell repairs or do you only sell replacements
2: because everyone
1: structures it differently?
2: Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. I sell repairs all the time. Um, okay. I, I try to, I try to keep my repair closing rate closer to 80%. Sure. Um, and then, uh, cause obviously, you know, it's a smaller ticket item and people most of the time when they need a repair is cause they have a leak. Right. And so there's a lot less, you know, Oh, let me get some bids. Oh, I don't know. Because their ceiling is caving in so <laughs> they need to get done. Right. So yeah, I try to keep the repair closing rate a little bit higher. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I would say maybe you know forty percent of
1: my calls are repairs. So okay, very good. What what now? What's the average take on a on a repair call? Obviously, it's not twenty five thousand right? dollars. Mm, yeah, it's probably probably around fifteen hundred bucks. Okay, all right, that's good. That's above the average for sure. Good stuff. Yeah, all right. great. Well, before we we dig into what you do on a day to day basis, I always love uh, finding out people's backgrounds, how they got to where they are. So. Sure. How did you get into, How did you get into contracting? Did you start doing it like you're a young guy, did you start doing it after high school or college or did you know someone How did you get into? No, it? I
2: actually um when I graduated high school, I was uh I was in food service um okay. for a really long time. Um you know, I I I got my I guess it was my second job uh when I was 16 and I stayed wow. there until I was about 26. Okay. And um Started working two jobs when I was around 23, and I wound up being a, a kitchen manager for a local restaurant uh, for the better part of five years. Okay. And uh, it got to a point to where you know I was working 60 hours a week pretty consistently. Um, I would either have to be there at 4 a.m., or I would be leaving at 2 a.m., yeah. And so I really wasn't getting enough time at home uh, with my wife and kids. And um, it got to a point where I was just absolutely miserable um, and I just dreaded going to work. And sure. so I realized it was probably time for a change. And yeah. so I just started perusing Craigslist, um, looking for anything, anything different that I could make, yeah. you know, either the same amount, if not more money. Sure. And uh, yeah, one day I was on Craigslist and I saw an ad that said home inspector, hundred thousand dollars a year, and I was yeah. like, that sounds great. I can do that. Sure. And uh, went to the interview and come to find out it wasn't what it sounded like. It was actually a roofing sales uh, position. Okay. And I uh, I almost didn't take the job just because it really scared me going from a salaried position to commission only. Sure. and the the thought of a zero dollar paycheck really terrified me, yeah, but I also knew that you know, since day one, I've had a pretty great work ethic, and um knew that if if I saw a zero dollar paycheck coming, i was gonna I wasn't gonna be sitting around at home, I was gonna be doing anything I could to make it a not zero dollar paycheck, sure. and so, um, so I decided to take the leap, you know, I figured anything. Anything in life worth having is not risk-free. And so yeah. I, uh, you know, like I said, took a leap of faith, and it was the best decision I ever made um, ever since I started this industry. You know, my life has changed uh, incredibly and all for the better. So That's phenomenal.
1: Now, how did you yeah. end up at, at Feller, at Kangaroo? Because you haven't been there that, that long, right?
2: So yeah, yeah. I was... Um, I've been at Kangaroo since uh, 2020, summer of 2020, and the the reason I went there is pretty much since I started in this industry, uh, I I realized pretty quick that Kangaroo is kind of like the company to work for. Um, They're, you know, one of the most reputable companies in the area. They've been around a long time, had a great reputation. And, um, you know, over the course of the years, you know, I made friends with a couple of people that worked there and all the rumors of, you know, them being awesome and Scott and Stacy, the owners, being great people and treating their employees wonderfully, all of that was true. And so, um, yeah, summer of 2020, um, the sales manager reached out to me and asked if I wanted to come in for an interview. And I was totally happy at the company I was at. You know, I had zero complaints. I was my own boss, making my own hours, making good money. But you know, I I would have been kicking myself if I didn't at least give it a shot. And uh, yeah, coming over to Kangaroo was again one of the best decisions I've made.
1: What was, uh, what was the interview process like? What kind of grinder did they put you through? Was it several interviews or they, they got a good feel for you right away and, and you were on? It,
2: it was pretty much, um, I went in, I, I did a quick phone interview um, just to go over some basics and then they invited me in for an in-person and uh, I sat down with Stacy the owner, and Toby, the sales manager. And... Um, it didn't really feel like an interview. I mean, it was yeah. kind of us just all talking, and um, you know, we all got a good vibe from each other, and they made me an offer. And um, you know, I, I I like to simmer on things and sure. um, you know, not making this right away. Yeah, but you know, I kind of already knew that I wanted to go over, so I think yeah. I was playing
1: hard to get with them.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, there. they closed you eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it worked out really well. So that's wonderful. Now you, you had come obviously from, from the industry. So what did training look like for you to learn how kangaroo does business? How, how long did it take for you to, before they started letting let you run leads, was it fast or, or did they have you ride along with, with someone for uh, a little bit?
2: It, it was pretty quick. I think I had one week where I was officially employed um, that I wasn't running calls yeah. And during that week, um, you know, I read through a lot of their uh, literature and, yeah. you know, kind of tried to get a feel for the way they do things. I went on a couple of ride alongs with a couple of guys, you True. know, asked asked a thousand questions to all the sales guys that were there already. Yeah. And um, yeah, by the following Monday. So I, I guess it was one week of training. um you know, I didn't really need training as far as, you know, insurance sure. claims
1: or roofing or anything like that. It was more so yeah. just on the way that they do things. Sure, sure. Yeah, okay. I, I bet everyone gave you the green light. Like, Stacy, he's ready to go. He knows what he's doing. He's asking all yeah. the right questions. So. I,
2: I would hope so, yeah. 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 Well, either way, they got me out there in about a week, and I think I made my first sale uh, second day. So, yeah, kind of. I was like, I guess I got to prove myself, you know, to sure. them because I hadn't yet. And so, yeah. I figured selling a roof on the second day was a pretty good way to do it. So. I think that's pretty good. I'm sure they
1: didn't complain. That's for sure. So <laughs> they, were, they were all right
2: with it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about how you uh, approach a call from from beginning to end. So when you're driving to, to a customer's home, do you do any kind of research on the homeowner? Uh, and, and also, do you do any anything to kind of clear your mind? You know, I, listen to motivational stuff, music. What, how do you how do you approach a, an appointment? Uh, well,
2: most of the time I'll give the homeowner a call, uh, usually about 15 minutes before I arrive just to let them know like, Hey, this is Peter from Kangaroo. Uh, I've got you for an appointment at 10:30 today. I was just calling to yep. let you know that I'm headed your way. Um, typically ask them if there's anywhere in particular, they'd like me to park the truck or anything like that. Sure. Um, you know, just kind of get my foot in the door per se. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Whenever I have an appointment set, it's on my calendar and there's usually notes on there from when the appointment coordinator set the appointment right. and we'll always read through those just to, you know, make sure, you know, I'm not knocking on the door when it said don't knock or something like that. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, I don't Facebook stalk people, I, uh, I know I people that to,
1: do that, but yeah, you
2: know, I know, some people do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I mean, honestly, you know, once I get there, regardless of what I know about them, I'm going to act the same either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a very big proponent of uh, you sell how you want to be sold to. And yeah. if I have some guy come to my house who is just, you know, sleazy sales guy, just giving me a bunch of, you know, malarkey, a bunch of spiels or whatever, I'm not going to like that. Um, if they're just, you know, reeking of salesmen. And so whenever, my whole goal is to go out there and treat people how I wanna be treated, Um, just be down to earth, talk to them on a personable level, um, and help them. You know, at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to sell them something, I'm trying to help them fix their issue. And so I'll go out there, assess the issue, and lay out options for them, and let them choose the option that works best for them.
1: That's cool, very cool. All right, so uh, let's, Let's continue. So you get to the home, you knock on the door, homeowner welcomes you in. You know, there's there's always a little awkwardness. I mean, unless water's streaming into the house, you know that they know this is a potential salesperson coming in to get me to spend money, right? So people have their guard up naturally. How how do you go about building an initial rapport? Uh, is there any? Do you offer a sincere compliment, or do you just like to make small talk to find common ground? What do you what do you like to do at that step of the call?
2: uh well first off i mean honestly for the first 10 minutes that i'm there um i really don't talk about the roof much at all um i don't you know if and and i feel it out you know there are people who you know they're just no bull crap kind of people who just (laughs) nope you're here i want to know what it is but then there's also lots of people who you know you just start prying a little bit and get them to talk and once you start getting them talking that's you know when they kind of let their guard down a little sure. bit. And I found I find that the easiest way to do that is by talking about things other than the reason why I'm there. Sure. And so sure. you, know, you know I'll just talk with them. You know learn a little bit about them. Um, I really try to uh, make every customer laugh. Oh, okay. Um, I figure if I can joke around with them and get them laughing which 90% of the time it works. And then 10% of the time there's somebody who's just stone faced, and I'm like, all right, this isn't working. I'll try something. Else. <laughs> hey, that's all
1: right. <clears throat> hey, 90% is a pretty good hit rate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But either way, you know, it, it's really more so um, I, I, I want them to feel comfortable with me in their home. Sure. Um, I don't want them to feel, you know, like you said, like, Oh, this guy's going to try to sell me something. Yeah, like I, true. I really want them to feel like, Oh wow, this guy is here to help me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm I'm at the end of the day, I'm there to provide a service and it's not free, obviously, but sure. you know, most of the time I have options for
1: them, you know. Yeah. So they can decide which one works best for them. That's great. Now, during this kind of warm up process, before we get to any any roof talk, roof questions, uh, do you are you a proponent of like reading body language? You had mentioned there's the no nonsense guys, right? Like at SGI, we talk about a disc profile. That's like yeah. a personality. Someone, all right. Let's just go. I got stuff to go. Do you do you try and do you rely on that much to read body language and try and figure out how to best communicate with someone based on their personality type, or do you just kind of treat everyone the same? You seem pretty laid back. Is is that more of your approach?
2: Um, I mean, yes and no, um, you know, when it comes to reading body language, you know, I don't look for certain things like, oh, he uncrossed his legs, that means this, or, you yeah. know, anything like that, sure. but, you know, the no-nonsense type of people, you know, they're, they're pretty obvious from the get-go what kind of person they are, right. um, and it's not so much body language that I read, it's more so just whatever conversation I've had with them already. Sure. Um, there are some people where you're like, "Hey, I'm Peter. How you doing today?" And then they go on for five or ten minutes about the right. last weeks of their life. <laughs> and then there are the other people who are just like, "Good, you ready?" Yeah. And it's yeah. like, "All right, that's that kind of guy." And so, you know, just 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 play it by ear. You know, um, sure. there there's no one size fits all with with,
1: with a sales approach. You know. Yeah on those, we, we call them eyes, those outgoing people that just want to talk about the weather for three hours. Is it, do you transition at some point point? go, okay, I have to keep this within a two-hour window? Like, or do you just let them, let them go and you'll have tea and, and whatever if it's, you know, an older person that maybe hasn't seen someone in a while? Like, or, or, or do you try and keep it on track at some point?
2: Uh, it depends. It depends. Um, you know, if it's a busy day and I'm on a tight schedule already, right. you know, I'll let them go on and I'll, you know, engage with them and but it gets to a point where I'm like, all right, but seriously, you know, um, and then there's other people, you know, if it's my last appointment of the day and these people just want to talk and sit down and, you know, have a yeah. chat, I'm more than happy to do that with them. Even That's if the, even if I don't end up closing a sale with them, you know, yeah. I would much rather them be able to say, yeah, I had Kangaroo out here and, you know, I didn't buy from them because, you know, they, they wasn't necessarily, you know, the right fit. Yeah. But I'll tell you, that guy that they sent out here, he was great, and I'd recommend him to anybody. That's um, you know, I, I have a genuine fear, and, and I don't know why it stemmed from childhood somehow, but I have a genuine fear of people not liking me. Yeah. And so I do everything I can to be as personable and likable as possible. Yeah. And um, I think that has translated pretty well into um, into
1: sales. Sure. That's great. That's very good. All right. So we, we do this warm up process. You kind of get a feel for the person. Uh, do you, when we start at ask, do you start going into questions about the roof and roofing system at that point? Or do you want to sit down somewhere to talk about it? Or what's your next point after that initial kind of just friendly feel out conversation?
2: Well, typically, yeah, typically, you know, it's the first conversation I'll, you know, <clears throat> after we chat a little bit, see, see the reason that they called me out there, what their specific yeah. concern is. Um, most of the time, I don't go too heavy on their the specifics of their roofing system. You know, okay. unless it's like an engineer or a co- contractor or somebody who you can tell is actually sure. interested in that stuff, yeah. most of the time they don't care. Um, yeah. I had an AC tech come out because my AC was broken and he started telling me about all the different coils and I would just. <laughs> and right. so, right. you know, most of the time I try to figure out what their issue is uh, okay. before anything. And um, then just kind of set the expectation of what I'm going to do while I'm there. Okay. Um, so once they let me know that, um, I'll let them know, OK, well, Here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and get up in the attic. I wanna check things out up there, make sure nothing's disconnected, make sure you don't have anything that's, you know, actively dangerous or hazardous to your home or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm gonna do a quick perimeter walk of your property and just check everything out. You know, sometimes when we get a big damaging storm, things other than your roofing system might have been damaged um, sure. that get missed, and so I just want to do a full property inspection. Uh, Once I finish up with that, I'm going to get up on the roof and I'm going to, you know, do a full assessment, uh, you know, check out all the components, um, you know, make sure that everything's working as it should. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, try to identify where your issues are coming from. And once I um, basically let them know that, you know, once I'm done, I'll have an inspection report filled out for them so they can know exactly where their roof sits at that time. And um, if it's in good shape, you know, I'm happy to let them know. Yeah, you guys actually are fine. You know, there's no work I can recommend right now, sure. which honestly, I like telling people that sometimes, you right. know, whether uh, I know I'm not going to get paid anything for going out there. Right. But it's so it's a good feeling, you know, because I, I like it when somebody tells me, hey, you don't have to spend a bunch of money. And I'm like, yeah. cool, great. <laughs> um, so sometimes it, sometimes it feels good to let people know, you know, that they're they're in good shape and there's no recommended work needed. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But when I come back down, you know, I'll just let them know what their options are, you know, as far as
1: uh, repairs, replacements, you know, so on and so forth. Do you um do you do an inspection even on someone's calling you out for a bid on a brand new roof? They know they want a roof. It's 30 years old you know will you do an inspection so they kind of know what's going on or, or maybe how the roof needs to be built a certain way or, or or is that approach different altogether
2: no i get i regardless of what it is if they have any sort of issue or want or desire for a roofing need i'm always getting on the roof okay. um i mean even when people call me just to get gutters i'll still go on the roof and make sure that they're doing okay because they okay. clothes out there for for a reason I might as well do it while I'm out there sure um so even yeah regardless even if they are ready to rock and roll they have a check waiting for me when I show up (laughs) yeah I'm still getting on the roof uh and I also want to take pictures of everything you know I that's my next
1: question yep
2: yeah I try to be in the habit of taking way too many pictures okay um it's happened a lot in the past or not a lot but it's happened you know enough times to where somebody will say hey your roofers crushed this pot or this uh Uh, this plant was fine and now it's dead or whatever and then i show them time stamped photos of when i was first out there before we did any work showing them hey actually you know i'm sorry but it was already your pot was already broken or whatever Right. Taking way too many photos and being in that habit has saved me a lot of money over the years, just sure. by not having to pay out on stuff that wasn't my fault um, yeah. just because I don't have a leg to stand on, you know
1: right. right.
2: Sure. So
1: taking way too many pictures is better than not enough. How much of uh, taking picture and actually, let me let me take a step back. When you take those pictures, do you take any video too or is it all pictures? All pictures, All yeah. All pictures. When, when you come back down and you have the inspection, you have the pictures, will you just kind of narrate what you saw with the customer? Will you sit down and go, Hey, this is what I saw, you know, there's there's rot here or yeah, no yeah. Here. like how does that how do you you know, how does that, that process work? Um
2: so typically, you know, I'll go through and you know, I won't most of the time I won't show them every single little thing sure. that's wrong. Um, but the major things, you know, either the cause of their leak or the reason why they're needing a replacement, um, I'll usually go over those. And, um, but we also have uh, Kangaroo also has an app um, that customers can download. And if they have that downloaded while you're there, mm-hmm. um, they're able to see the pictures that I'm taking in real time. And oh, so cool. they can be sitting in their living room on their couch and I'm up on the roof taking pictures and they're able to see them pretty much as soon as I take them. Oh, and so cool. it happens a lot where I come back down and I'm like, yeah, well I found the issue. And they're like, oh yeah, it's right here. <laughs> and so, you know, you right. know, sometimes it explains itself, but either way, I always, you know, I try to be very thorough on explaining what it, what their issues are and how we can fix them without yeah. getting too technical about it of course of course sure
1: okay so you you went in you you went in the attic you got on the roof you've, you've taken lots of pictures you fill out your inspection uh next step is what to sit down with a customer and go over what you you've rebu- reviewed will you go through the entire inspection as well here's the good the bad the okay um or do you have options be, you readily prepared that you get into you know that kind of the, the, the part of the yeah, process so, what do you do so
2: before before i go in and sit down with them Um, whether it's a repair or a replacement, I'll always have prices when I go. Um, if it's a repair, I'll have a repair estimate written up before I go in and go over it with them. Um, if it's a replacement, I'll have a replacement proposal written up before I go in and sit down with them. Okay. And so I'll go in and again, you know, I try to gauge it off of the, you know, person I'm speaking with. Some people just want to do it in the doorway. Some people want to go sit down in their living room and have coffee, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and so I'll go over, you know, my findings and um, let them know what their main concerns are, kind of in a level of importance. Like you need to get this done immediately. Right. This is something you should keep an eye on. This can probably wait, etc. Um, and then after I've gone over everything and have answered their questions. Um, and ensure that, you know, they're up to speed and, and are re- actually getting what I'm talking about. Right. Um, then I'll usually sit down and start going over uh, some of their
1: options and pricing and stuff like okay. that. Now, will you have, um, do you always have, say three repair type options and then some replacement options? Or is it a blend where, okay, this, you gotta do this cause your, your house, is, your roof's gonna cave in, right? Or- yeah. you, Option two and three or four is a replacement or how how often or like what are your options typically look like when you've got a, a call that it could be a repair or it could be a replacement?
2: Yeah, so if it's a repair and it the roof is over, you know, 12 or 13 years old, mm-hmm. um, I'll always do a repairability test and just okay. take a, a, a shingle and bend it back and, you know, okay. not all the way, but check to make sure it's not too brittle to repair Um, if it is too brittle to repair, then I won't write up a repair estimate because it's not something that I can do properly. Um, if a proper repair can't be performed, then I'm not even going to bother wasting their time. Um, but I will have a replacement estimate written up for them and, you know, and I'll go into, yeah, you could find someone to repair this, but you know, it's going to be $2,000. Your roof's going to need to be replaced within the next couple of years for sure anyway. And you might need another repair in between now and then. So right. you're going to be spending, you know, four to six thousand dollars maybe on a roof that's going to need to be replaced within the next couple of years anyway. You know, it might make right. more sense just to do it right now. Yeah. Um, and then I'll usually go into some financing options and stuff like okay. that uh, for somebody paying out of pocket for their whole project. Okay. But with repairs, um, you know, if the roof doesn't need to be replaced and they just have a couple issues going on, yeah. um, I'll, I'll give them options for that as well. I'll have what you need to have done um Mm -hmm. written up and then i'll have what you need to have done plus some other things that you could get done as kind of a preventative measure to make sure that nothing you don't have issues in the future okay Uh, and so sometimes they just want to get the problem fixed and be done with it and they don't care if they get another issue in a year Uh, sometimes they want to do the best thing for their home and you know even if it costs a little more they want to stay on top of it and get everything done right then so sure Sure.
1: When you do that bend test, that's interesting. Do you do that in front of the customer or do you do that on the roof just so you know, personally? Uh, so when you, you know, bend the shingles. Oh yeah.
2: That, no, I don't do that in yeah. front of the customer. Okay. Um, enough, that's I, of the process. Yeah. No. And most of the time when I'm trying to see if a roof is repairable or not, it's because it's got missing shingles. It's because it's old and it's kind of starting to fail. And so if you take one of the shingles that fell off the roof or something, you can test it on that, yeah. um, you know, and it's not like you're going up there and ripping a shingle off and seeing right. how easy it happened. Sure. It's more so you take the shingle, bend it back a little bit. And once you get to, you know, maybe 50 or 60 degree angle, if it starts to kind of break and crease and you start losing granules, it's a pretty good indicator that,
1: you know, it's not, it's yeah, not it's time for repairs. It's time for a replacement. So. Okay, very good. Very good. Let's say that you're in, in a call where you're like, okay, the customer knows it's a replacement again, you know, that's an old roof. You know it's a replacement. They maybe have a bid already from somebody else. So you know you're, you know, this is not an easy sale. You've got to earn this one. When you come to sit back down and you have your inspection and pictures, but you got to talk about how Feller King roof is different from ABC roofing or Joe Blow roofing or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you have a set presentation that you go through to kind of explain what your value differentiators are, how your guarantees are different, or do you just kind of verbalize all, all that at that point?
2: Uh, it's both. We I, I absolutely have a, a a sales book, a sales okay. presentation. Um I've as much. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know there and again, it comes down to the person I'm dealing with. Some people really want you to read over every word that's in there and yeah. really explain and go hard on every single thing. And then other people kind of just want bullet points. Um, right. You know the things that I go hard on when I'm trying to sell the value of the company are tenure. Um, you know, most roofing companies last maybe three or four years, and then they're out of business. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, kanga has been selling roofs in the Austin area since, you know, before 2000. Yeah. So, you know, we've been in the area for a lot longer than a lot of other guys. So there is that sense of um, comfort knowing that if, God forbid, they do have an issue with a repair or replacement we did, they're not going to have trouble getting us back out there. We have a storefront usually right down the road from them. Um, yeah. You know, our phones are never just going to stop. Working. Um, it's not going to be one of those fly by night type of deals or chucking a truck or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll let them know that, you know, in, in the state of Texas, uh, you're not required to have a license to be a roofing contractor. Mm-hmm. We have a voluntary license just to be an extra layer of comfort to give to that homeowner to know that we actually really do care about people knowing that, you know, we we stand behind our work, um, yeah. and then we do things the right way, and we try to do it right the first time. Yeah, uh, and you know, going along with being you know GAF Master Elite certified and all that good stuff, and you know, like I said, it's going to keep coming back to it depends on the person. Sure. Um, but you know, those are some of the some of the key things that I zero in on when mm-hmm. I'm going up against a bid that is. $3,000 less than mine, but right. it's from a company that's been around for two years and, you know, doesn't have certifications, doesn't have a license, you know, and who knows where they'll be in another
1: two years if they sprout right. a leak, you know, they might not be able to get help. So, right. What are your, what are your guarantees on, on re-roofs? Like, what do you, is it, are you much different than the competition out there in terms of how long you you warranty for it for?
2: Uh, it depends. So, we offer a couple of different roofing systems on our proposals.
1: Um, okay. Our pricing is really
2: straightforward, uh, meaning that it's basically a per square pricing. And okay. so, it's really based off the square footage of the roof. And so, I'll enter in the square footage of the roof with a waste factor, and it's going to give me prices for seven different roofing systems. Oh, wow. And so, okay. the, the idea is to give them, you know, again, give them options, you know, from yeah. the the Kia of roofing systems to the Cadillac all the way to the Bentley of roofing systems. Right. Um, Right. And so, you know, letting get, giving them the options is helpful. Um, but whenever it comes to warranties, you know, that's another thing that, you know, you can have this guy over here, he's offering you a 10 year workmanship warranty and I'm offering a five year and I'm more expensive. Right. However, that guy's been around for two years and yeah. we've been around for 30 so sure. you know, if you have a leak in at, at year four and that guy is no longer in business you know your warranty isn't worth the paper it's written on whereas with us yeah we have a five-year warranty versus a 10 but you can be sure that if you do ever have an issue we're gonna be here and we're gonna get you taken care of That's good. and also if the warranty is the big concern with them and you know, I'll say, well, if that is if that is the most important thing to you, then I would recommend going with this roofing system that has a 15-year craftsmanship warranty. Same okay. thing. You don't need to worry about us being here or not. We're going to be here, yes. but you get an extra 10 years on that warranty. Yes, it's an extra thousand dollars, but you get an extra decade on your workmanship. So. Right.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Professional Plumbing Group, How many hours in a day do your plumbers waste because you don't have the right part for the job? This problem leads to additional issues and reduced productivity, poor customer satisfaction, and increases your cost per job. Professional Plumbing Group, or PPG, can help you solve all those issues and more. We have everything you need to help your business grow and become more profitable by allowing you to focus on plumbing, not inventory management. Go to plumbmaster.com for more information. Welcome back to the
1: show. I'm talking with Peter Treewiller, a feller kangaroo in Round Rock, Texas. We've covered a lot so far, and we have so much more to go. In the second half of our interview, Peter will share how he covers options during his sales process, including how he talks about the different features and benefits of each option, how he handles a variety of objections, and why rarely, if ever, he gets cancellations and so much more. So let's jump back into my conversation with Peter Treewiller, a feller kangaroo in Round Rock, Texas. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. So from from your Kia to a Bentley, when you when you're, I'm assuming you start from the Bentley and you work your way down, you, you go to the highest ticket and then you take stuff away as you go to the bent in ter- yes. terms of presenting it to the customer.
0: Right?
2: Yes, yes, yeah. yeah okay. you, you start high and then you know, and most of the time you can kind of see them like, oh, I don't know about that right, one. Yeah, screw <laughs> Usually considerably more expensive. Um, however, once you start talking about things that they're losing by going down. Um, it, I, I think it affects them differently like oh well I don't want to lose that instead of yeah. starting at the bottom and saying well by going up you gain an extra 10 years or you'll gain synthetic felt or whatever yeah. um, you know whenever you're talking about stuff yeah we're you're not going to get that anymore but you'll save a little bit of money and if you sure. want to save a little bit more money we're not going to do this either but right. you'll save some money so yeah. I, I've, I, I've found that and I used to have a problem doing it that way, because mm-hmm. I always, I don't know why. Really,
1: You're a people pleaser. You don't want to take stuff yeah, away.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, uh, after doing it enough times, I realized that whenever you start high and start going down, your your average ticket's going to be that much higher. Um, usually, they end up going for one of the better systems when you start higher
1: instead of starting at the bottom. Okay all right so you go from high to low but i'm very much intrigued what makes a bentley versus a kia so what are some of the things as you as you go down model by model system by system what are some of the core core differentiators outside of you know we talked about warranties you said synthetic like what if you get just for someone is if i'm a roofing contractor in rsi I'm, i'm trying to learn how to how to present better, you know, how, yeah. I, how I can differentiate from the best to the, to the worst option.
2: Yeah. So if we're starting with, you know, we, we call it our, our supreme uh, package yep. and um, that's going to be, you know, a class four impact rated shingle. First off, uh, mm-hmm. I'll let them know it's rated to a stand up to two inch diameter hail. Um, and they're also going to get, you know, uh, thicker, thicker synthetic underlayment, you know, they're going to get ice and water barrier around all their penetrations and the valleys, uh, but they're going to have a 50 year top to bottom warranty, meaning they have a 50 year craftsmanship warranty. They have a non depreciated 50 year material defect warranty. Wow. Um, it's going to include upgrading their ventilation to whatever proper ventilation they need so they can get that warranty.
0: Sure. Um,
2: and then, you know, when we go down to premier, that's our, our, third, or I guess our second best roofing system, we're dropping down to a class three shingle, which is still an impact rated shingle. You are still maybe able to get some discounts on your insurance premiums, but you drop to inch and three quarter diameter hail versus two inch hail. Okay. The other thing is, you know, we're not gonna do uh, the thicker synthetic. You're gonna get the standard synthetic felt uh, on the the entire uh, surface area. But then you're also dropping to a 25-year craftsmanship warranty and 25 years non-depreciated on your material defects, which isn't the worst thing ever, but it is something that you'd be losing by going down to that system. And Mm -hmm. then if we go to the next one, you know, our basic package or whatever, um, you're going to get a standard architectural shingle. You know, there's not going to be any impact rating, so uh, you you more than likely aren't going to be eligible for any discounts for your homeowners insurance. and, you know, we're going to go down to a five-year workmanship warranty. So, you know, just without without devaluing the packages below the best, try to make it, you know, point out some things that they're going to be losing. But still let them know that regardless of the system they choose, they're still going to be getting a quality roof from one of the best contractors in the area. Yeah
1: sure how do you explain impact rating to a ding dong like myself that doesn't have a technical background you know most of your homeowners are don't have that background so yeah you know, just, how do you explain that and, and you know well i'll let
2: them know, 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 know that in order in order for a shingle to carry an impact rating and to say that they're impact rated they have to go through extensive testing to see at what diameter hail does this shingle start to show damage and so a class four is rated for up to two inch diameter hail so it's gone through extensive testing with and they, what they do instead of you know they will shoot ice balls at it but to um, uh, for their you know in their laboratory testing purposes they'll drop steel balls on them and so they'll have you know an inch and a half diameter steel ball and so on and so forth and continuously drop these balls on these shingles to see at what point does it start showing damage. So if they have a class 4 impact rated shingle, that means that that shingle has gone through significant testing to show that anything under a 2-inch diameter hailstone will not cause damage on it. Okay. Which in Central Texas where we are, you know, that's a big thing to a lot of people. Sure. uh, lots uh, Lots of my clients have had to have their roof replaced three times in the past 10 years. And right. so, and all because of hail. and yeah. yeah, insurance is picking up most of it, but they still have to pay a deductible three times. Yeah. And so for those type, those are the easiest ones to get them to upgrade to an impact rated shingle right. because they are just sick of having to replace their roof every two That's or three hassle. years.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
2: exactly.
1: you relay that story. I'm, I've had, I've had homeowners where I've had to do the roof three times and they finally said enough is enough.
2: Yep. Yep. And so they'll, you know, they'll want to go to an impact rated shingle. Um, There are other options as well, uh, like F-Wave, you know, uh, there's certain brands of rubber shingles. There's stone coated steel options. You know, it it opens up whenever they've had to replace their roof three times in the past 10 years. It opens up a lot of options for a better system that, yeah, it's going to cost more money up front but it's going to save you
1: the headache from having to do this three more times over the sure. next 10 years. 100%. So. How much do you end up talking ventilation with customers? I, I always read a long time ago the stat of how many homes are not properly ventilated and how, how that bakes shingles and, and shortens mm-hmm. lives. Is that a conversation you have much in terms of repair and replacement calls and, and how that differentiates you guys from other contractors that you pay attention to that? Or is that typically not come up much?
2: I'll, I'll bring it up. I won't go too hard on it. Um, I will let them know if if they're having excessive granule loss and, and their roof is only 10 years old um, and the cause of that is because they have inadequate attic ventilation. I'll, I'll explain it a little bit and let them know how it's supposed to work and how theirs is working or not working, and right. that's why they have the issue. Um, when talking replacements, Um, I'll always let them know that we're, you know, again, we're a master elite certified contractor with GAF, and so in order to carry that certification, we have to be installing their systems per their recommendations, per their specifications, and so having adequate attic ventilation is a huge part on that because if they have a warranty issue and they file a claim through GAF, the first thing GAF is going to do when they come out is check the ventilation. And if the ventilation isn't adequate, then the claim is void and the warranty is void. Uh,
0: yeah. To get
1: back, I was I was asking about in terms of gutters. Do you guys uh, sell gutters as part of the package? Any of the packages? Do you not mess with gutters at all? What do you? Uh, so, your...
2: so we do sell gutters. Um, they're yeah. not included in our roofing packages just okay. because every roof has a different perimeter. Um, not every house needs gutters. Some houses don't. Uh, some houses have gutters already that don't need to be replaced. Um, but we do sell gutters. We just do it as a, a separate estimate. So a separate if they're wanting gutters on half the house, then I'll write it up separately from the roof.
1: Okay, but you will you will write that up. Yeah, that you. Yeah, that sales process.
2: Yeah, same thing with uh, the it, – it's pretty straightforward pricing. We just do it by the by the linear foot, and I'll always explain to people too how I'm getting to the numbers that are on their estimate. I'll let okay. them know I will do twelve seventeen a foot or however much. That's for five inch seamless aluminum, any color you want. Um, and I need to have one downspout for every 30 feet of gutters and I do 13 okay. feet of downspout. So that's okay. how, you know, where I'm getting my numbers. You can add up the linear footage and divide it and check, make sure that my numbers are on. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I'll draw out a diagram and let them know where
1: we plan on putting them, where we plan on putting the downspouts, make sure it works for them. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right. So you, you walked, you, you know, you walked me through, you walked the customer through your, your seven options to back to the re-roof. Um, then I'm sure, you know, you're quiet. You, you try and see what they say next. Uh, hopefully, you know, 60% of the time, like you said, they're saying yes, and it's great. And, but at, of course, there's that 40% that have objections or whatever, mm-hmm. right? More than that, right? Even the people that say yes, have objections. Uh, yeah. when, when someone has a, say a, a bid in hand, they go, I had ABC roofing come out. And like you said, I think you walked me through a little bit, right? How long have they been been there what what are some other things you you say to address bids and hands to differentiate yourself
2: i'll i'll ask them if they're comfortable with sharing that bid with me um just so i can make sure that whether the whether the company is as tenured or as certified as we are or not um just to make sure that it's kind of apples to apples that their their bid that's three thousand dollars less to make sure that it includes the same components that i'm including on there um, to make sure that they've addressed ventilation, to make sure that they are uh, a qualified contractor that can provide extended warranties through their manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, most of the time they're okay with showing me that whether yeah. they reject the price or not. Um, and I'll have people tell me, oh, I got a bid and it was, uh, you know, thousands cheaper or whatever. Yeah. And I found that a lot of times they don't. Um, they're right. just trying to get a better price. Sure. And, so, you know, Sometimes that'll reveal itself when I ask if we can look over the other bid. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if somebody is, you know, just trying to nickel and dime you, yeah. um, we're not, and we kind of pride ourselves on not being the cheapest guys around. Um, sure. We we can't afford to be the cheapest guys around because of the quality systems that we install. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I would much rather walk away from a job than sell it for a cheap price, put on a cheap system yeah. that looks terrible, doesn't perform how it should. Because yeah. people driving down the road, they see us putting on a crappy roof. They don't know that this is what the customer chose. They don't know that yeah. the customer just trying to save as much money as they could. All they right. see is more trucks parked out front and our crews up there putting on a crappy roof yeah so yeah. at the end of the day, if it comes down to somebody, you know, an investor who just wants the absolute cheapest garbage roof possible, <laughs> you know there's plenty of times where I've let people know, you know I, I totally get where you're coming from, and yeah. I respect I respect your decision. Um, yeah. You know, unfortunately, I don't think we're gonna be the company uh, for you in this instance, um yeah. just because you know we were more concerned with quality than we are with pricing. Um, yeah. that being said, we still want to be competitive. But I'm definitely not the cheapest guy you're gonna find around because that's just not how we do business. So.
1: Right, right. How how do you handle you know uh, the person who's super price conscious and you're the first one in the door and they go I, I got you know twenty five thousand dollars. Holy cow! I got to get, I got to get more bids. I got to get more bids. You know they they trained. That's that's how they were raised. You got to get more bids. So mm. they're old school. How how do you approach those people? What do you say to them?
2: I will try to figure out the main reason why they're wanting to get more bids just to make sure that it's just price and that it's not because they're concerned with the quality of our workmanship or the company or anything like that. And if it is just coming down to price, I'll encourage them. Um, I will say, you know what, Go, go right ahead. I encourage you to get a couple other bids because I genuinely feel that after you look at those, even if their price is a little bit lower than ours. You're gonna want you, you're gonna feel more comfortable spending a little bit more for a better quality system from a better company than somebody who's a couple thousand dollars less, but you also have some questions about their ethics and their sure. workmanship and yeah. you know things like that.
0: Sure. Um,
2: whenever they do go get other bids. Um, Sometimes it does just come down to price and you know, they're getting a system. That's not as good But it's not a terrible system, but it's $2,000 cheaper and so you lose some of those and that's just sure. the nature of the beast um, However, a, a good I couldn't even put a percentage on it But a good amount of the time whenever I'm the first one there they want to get some more bids um, Typically, I'll follow up with them about a week or two later I'll give them enough time to get someone else out there and get them some numbers um usually when I follow up 2 weeks from then they will have had a contractor out the day after I was there and they still don't have an estimate from them.
1: Uh, and <laughs> yeah.
2: That right there is, sometimes is is enough for me to close the deal right then. Right. Um, right, right, right. So, sure. you know, I'm not I'm not afraid of somebody having other bids. Um yeah. you know, that's not going to deter me. Um I I genuinely feel that the quality and the value that we're offering for our price um,
1: is well worth it. I like it, very good. I, I gotta ask about financing. You mentioned it earlier, right? You always show a finance price for for your roofs. What what kind of products are you using? What ones do do customers seem to bite buy, buy on the most that they like the most in terms of a financing product?
2: Yeah, so there's three different options um, that we offer for financing, two of which are gonna be a same as cash option. So it's a six okay. or a 12 month same as cash. And those are interest-free. There's no required monthly payments, no penalty for paying off early, so on and yeah. so forth. Um, it's more so you just pay off the total amount within the time frame that you select. And yeah. then the other option is a 96-month uh, traditional installment loan at a 9.9 interest rate. Okay. Um, I found that when somebody is financing their entire roof replacement, and it's a 15 to $25,000 job, they're yeah. gonna go for 96 month because um, it usually equates to you know maybe 300 bucks a month or something like that. Okay. Um, usually when it's their deductible on an insurance job or some upgrades that they want to do that aren't covered by insurance or stuff like that, um, pretty much if it's under if it's under I'd say six or seven thousand dollars, they'll usually do the the interest free same as cash option. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas when you go north of that, it usually turns into the the 96 month. But whenever it turns into the 96 month, then it's really easy to sell them a better system because yeah. it it's not it's not a four thousand dollar difference. It's right. fourteen bucks a month difference. Right, you know, right? And so, so you'll that, that it,
1: you'll you'll circle back around and go, hey, if we're gonna go to that, you can get exactly battery. exactly
2: okay. for fourteen bucks a month more you know, yep. which, you know, three cups of coffee, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Correct. But for that much more, you know, for 14 bucks a month extra, you get all this other stuff with it. And, yeah. you know, and I always put it in terms of if this was my home, if this was my project, this yeah. is the route that I would go. You're welcome to do whatever you want. I'm just letting you know, you know, after, through my experience, this is what I've seen is, is kind of going to be the best option.
1: I love it, I love it. Is there any point you're allowed to discount at all? To to knock off $1,000 or, you know, to do you, at the same time create urgency? If you sign today, we can knock off $500 or so. Do you guys do anything like that? Or this is the price, this is what we believe in. No, no. Um, yeah.
2: Which I, I'm sure I've probably lost projects in the past from it yeah. uh, because I have no negotiation room. Um, yeah. However, it also lets people know that, you know, I don't know. If somebody was to tell me, Hey, if you sign today, I'll knock off two grand. I would think, Oh, so you're automatically charging me two grand more than you need to Mm. like that doesn't, you're a dick. Like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't sit right with me. So I'm I'm fine with not offering any sort of race break, anything like that. Um, In the past I have done, you know, four or 500 bucks off if they pay in full up front. Um, But that's very, very rare that um, I don't, yeah, very rarely has that happened. Um, And I have people ask all the time, you know, Hey, my buddy needs a roof. If I get you his roof, can you knock off a thousand bucks? Can you pay my deductible? Whatever.
0: Oh.
2: Yeah. yeah, 99% of the time when someone tells you I have more work for you, they don't. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I'll thank them. I'll say, that's great. If you send me them, if if you send them my way, I'll absolutely get you a referral fee once we sign okay. them up. But okay. as it sits right now, this is the price. Um, and that's just where
1: we're at. Okay. Um, all right. So in those, you you mentioned a little bit on in those instances they don't close that day, your, what your follow-up process is to call what a couple, do you say, Hey, is it okay if I call you in two days or how do you, you know, I usually let them know.
2: Day, and the duration that I wait depends on what their main objection is. If they want to get more bids or if they want to talk to their husband or whatever, um, you know, say it's, say it's a guy who wants to talk to his wife before he makes any decisions. Um, and it's Monday I'll say, all right, well, you absolutely, I would definitely want you to talk to her before doing this because yeah. I don't want you to get in a fight on account of me. Um, sure. tell you what, I will call you back on Wednesday I'll okay. call you back Wednesday afternoon. Give you guys some time to talk, and um, I'll call you back on Wednesday afternoon. If you guys have any other questions, I can answer them at that point. Um, you know, and we can go from there. If everything yeah. looks good, I can send over the paperwork. If you guys have more questions, we can talk more. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out, and that's totally fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I want yeah. you guys to make the decision that works best for you. I like it.
1: No, no pressure, no high pressure. I like that.
2: No, I mean, and like I said, I sell how I want to be sold to when I get a high pressure salesman, it irritates me and makes me, the only thing it makes me want to do is not buy from them and get them out of my house.
1: Sure. So that is, that's not what I want to be at all. You know, Sure. for sure. Is there a point, you do, you, how many times do you call someone? So you call them back on Wednesday or whatever day you said, and they don't answer, or, you know, maybe they're, maybe they have a work call or whatever. I mean, how many times will you follow up before you're like, okay, that one's just dead. It's it's done. I got to move on.
2: Uh, If I get if I because I'll usually call and leave a voicemail. I usually follow that up with a text, maybe an email, depending on the person. Um, But after usually after four, three or four attempted uh, follow ups and I don't get any sort of response and I'm just getting ghosted, I can usually take the hint
1: sure sure okay very good very good all right no more sad stuff you, you let's say you closed them right away you know you closed them they're happy what what is your process what's the post-close process for you guys is it just signing some paperwork do you say anything to try and keep them happy and smiling as you as you walk out the door What what do you do
2: yeah absolutely i'll um and, and i usually will if I'm closing on the spot, you know I'll write up the contract right there in front of them yep. um, still talking to them you know typically about stuff other than the contract you know asking them about what their summer plans are or whatever yep. um, once we get to actually signing the contract, um, I try to be as informative as I can, but okay. without sounding like uh, like without making it sound like we're signing a serious legal contract. Uh, Sure. You know, try to keep it light, lighthearted and, you know, just kind of have fun with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, Once I do that, typically when I sign the contract, I pick up a deposit as well. Um, usually more often than not, it's 50% of the project. And so I'll pick up the deposit. And then, um, once I've finished everything and got all the documents emailed over to them, I'll do it right in front of them just to make sure that they get their copy of it too. Sure. Um, I'll let them know. Hey, this is my personal phone number. If you have any questions, any concerns, anything that you know I might not have gone over, you didn't get a copy of the agreement, in the email, whatever it may be, call me directly. Um, yeah. You know, you can call the office, and that's fine. But you know, more often than not, it's going to turn into a note on your file for me to call you. And basically we can just skip the middleman and just call me directly. I always have my phone glued to me. So if, if I ever miss your call, you'll get a call back within an hour. Um, and I'll, I'll always be here to help you out with whatever you need. Okay. And so that's usually my parting, you know, parting comments. Um, and then, you know, usually a day or two before their job starts or on the day of their job, uh, I'll try to give them a call and just touch base with them, see okay. how everything's been so far. Because honestly, once I leave the house with a contract in their deposit, um, I'm kind of out of the out of the picture. You know, right. I've done my job on it, um, yeah. but I don't want them to, you know, at the end of the day, it's me who's selling them the company. Sure. And I don't want them to forget about
1: me, I guess. so. <laughs> For sure. No, I, I totally get it. You, I, I'm, I'm assuming it doesn't happen often, but should someone call to cancel? I mean, how do you handle that situation? Do you have to close them again over the phone or you just never deal with that?
2: It's, to be honest, it's very, very rare um, okay. that we get that call. Um, yeah. It, during la- last summer um, was, oh the, last summer was the last That's one real, I got. Yeah. Well, it was, I don't even remember the exact issue, but um, it, it doesn't happen very frequently. Okay. Uh, when it did happen, um, you know, I just kind of and this dude, I mean, I kind of didn't want to work with him anyway, so it was kind of thank God you're canceling. Uh, but you know, he's just screaming at me on the phone the entire oh, time. And, you know, I'm just sitting there trying to. I want to. I want to know what the problem is, the yeah. reason for their wanting to cancel, and go from there and try to address it. Whether it be, oh my. My neighbor got is getting theirs done for five thousand dollars cheaper, or uh, you know it, it's been four weeks and I don't have my roof yet. And you told me it was going to be eight, but I want it in four, and yeah. whatever the reason may be. And you know I'll always try to save it. And if for some reason I can't, um, then I'll escalate it, you know, send it to my sure. sales manager, see if he can help out with it. And maybe sure. do something that I wasn't able to, and who knows, maybe it's just me. Uh, maybe they just don't like the cut of my jib and you know, <laughs> and, and I, I don't, I don't want the company to lose out on right. business because of something I did, whether sure. indirectly or directly. And so if that's the reason, then I'm more than happy to have it go to another
1: one of the sales guys and have them yeah. close it out. Um, I mean, that's,
2: that's never happened because I'm a sweetheart, but, you know.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like a lot of people like your jib just
2: fine. Yeah, it never, it, it, I, I haven't had someone tell me that's the reason. So we'll <laughs> that's really
1: funny. All right, I just got a couple more questions for you, just kind of in wrapping yeah. up. Um, just in general, Peter, what, what's your why? Like, what drives you to succeed every day, to take care of people, you know, and, and sell in an ethical manner versus trying to slam on as many roofs as possible? You know, like, what, what drives you? what What would you say to
2: that? Uh, definitely the wife and kids. Um, yeah, my uh, I, I married my high school sweetheart and oh, wow. we we have two kids right now and our third is due at the end of May and so she yeah, thanks yeah she um my wife's a stay at home mom and we just last month actually moved into a much bigger house. Yeah. And unfortunately, it has a much bigger mortgage on it. So yeah, um,
1: that's how that works.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I just I, I want to do everything I can to make sure that they have the best life possible. Yeah. And um, that that's going to be the main thing. Um, however, I don't want to do it in an unethical way. I don't want to I don't want to have any guilt or bad feelings about how I make my money. Right. And if I'm selling somebody an overpriced crappy roof that is going to leak on them in a couple of years, and I know that, and I'm taking advantage of people, I won't be able to sleep at night. Right. Um, so that's really important to me as well to yeah. make as much money as I can for my family, but do it the right way. And right.
1: by treating treating people right, basically. I love that. I love that. You talked about it a little earlier, but what's it like? really working at, at kangaroo and, and I know you've got a bunch of really good salespeople on your team as well. What, what's it like having people like that, the sounding boards and resources, and then you've got the fellers and just the management team. What, what's it like having that kind of infrastructure and support system?
2: Yeah, well, Scott and Stacy are some of the, I mean, aside from being my bosses and, you know, the owners of the business, they're some of the nicest people I've met. Um I I believe that they're genuinely good people and that means a lot to me to work for someone like that. Yeah. Um but also, you know, at Kanga they they expect a very high caliber of uh of of sales guy working there. Sure. And, and I mean they expect they they have high expectations for all of their employees in every department. Sure. Um but for the sales guys, I mean basically if if you don't know that you can at least hit like a million and a half, two million a year, then you probably should work somewhere else. Um, right. They, and granted, they've set it up for us to succeed. I mean, exactly. they a lot of these calls are slam dunks because they have such a great reputation, put on good roofs, do good work, do the right thing all that stuff, and it really, I mean, that's thats how that word of mouth travels, is by yeah. people saying, these guys did a great job and they did it the right way, yeah um, and they treated me well during the process, and I think that speaks volumes um, to other clients. However, um, yeah, like I said, a lot of the other sales guys are complete badasses, and it's really, <laughs> it's, it's good to be on a team um, where we all kind of drive each other to sure. Yeah, and it's 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 friendly competition. You know, we right. don't. I don't hate it when somebody beats me by a couple thousand in a month. I'm yeah. happy for them. You know, because I'm yeah. a, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm able to provide for my family, and that's all exactly. I really care about. And if oh, I can yeah. do that by being number three on the sales board, then so be it. If yeah. I'm number one, then you know everyone else sucked that month, and I was <laughs> a little, <laughs> little extra good that month. You know. Yeah. No. Well, but yeah. I mean. Yeah. We, we, all, say, we all drive each other to do better, so it, it's it's definitely a good team to be on.
1: I said ultimately – I was going to say ultimately you remember your why, right? You want to win because you're competitive, but you know if you're still having a good good month, that means that the family's being, being taken.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So right. that being Very said, like, like three months in a row where I'm like 1,000 off from being number one, uh, I'll be like
1: yeah. – Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> well, that's all right. It keeps you sharp, right? It keeps you
2: – Exactly. Exactly.
1: All right, very last question. What advice would you have? I mean, you've got a lot of a lot of roofing contractors, a lot of salespeople that'll watch or listen to this. What advice would you have for the, those salespeople on how to get better? What, what 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 would you say to them? Um,
2: I mean, my biggest my biggest thing that I've always said whenever people ask is, you know, there's no one size fits all for sales. And so the one thing that I can say that I've seen work for me and work for a lot of other people is to sell how you want to be sold to. Mm -hmm. Um, if you like a high pressure sales experience, then that's probably what's going to come most natural to you. And that's probably what you'll be most successful at. Um, if you hate that kind of experience and a more laid back personable approach is how you prefer it, then you'll probably have more success with that. Um, but I would also say, you know, to never get, uh, complacent, you know, always be, always be trying to better yourself, always be trying to figure out ways you can improve. Nobody's perfect and nobody ever will be perfect. So there's always room to improve on one thing or the other. Um, you know, for me, it was, I, I was number two in sales last year. Uh, there mm-hmm. was one fellow that beat me and I hate yep. him and, <laughs> uh, not really. He's a great guy, but but it's that kind of thing that you know. Um, maybe I could have been number one if there were other things that I had done differently. And so I'm always trying to, um, you know, think think of ways that I can, you know, kind of fine tune my stuff. Obviously, what I'm doing is working, yeah. but there's tweaks here and there that I can do, and different different
1: stuff that I can learn that can probably make it even better. Sure sure good stuff peter man this was a lot of fun i hope you uh didn't mind it too much i i learned a lot this Mm. is highly informative uh so thank you so very very much for all your time today i really appreciate it and uh i look forward to seeing you in uh orlando at expo in a a few weeks
2: yeah yeah yeah. sounds good man sounds good
1: so safe travels and really again thank you again for all your time and have a great rest of your day today yeah you too bob thanks all right buddy take care that's Peter Treewheeler of Feller King Roof in Round Rock, Texas. Thanks for joining us. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at vhouchen at Also, if you enjoyed today's show, if you're on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. And please join us for future episodes. It's my promise to you that we will continue to interview successful contractors and other influential individuals in the residential contracting world. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group
0: International. Support for this podcast comes from Minuteman Press to Pair. Minuteman Press to Pair is your preferred print and marketing service provider, helping SGI members grow their businesses since 2001. Through their knowledge and experience with SGI programs, you'll receive a fast turnaround and satisfaction guaranteed on price guides, inspection forms, club materials, and much more. In addition to specializing in SGI proprietary tools, Minuteman Press-to-Pair also provides custom design services as well as templates to help market your residential business. Like you, they are committed to your success. Minuteman Press-to-Pair is the only Minuteman location affiliated with the SGI Partner Network, providing member rebates and discounts. Contact Denise today for more information at 877-203-4769. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager to help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com